0: Hi everybody, it's Lori Forner here. Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. If you are new, thanks for joining us. If you have been listening for a while, thank you for listening. If you enjoy these podcasts, please head over to iTunes and subscribe, as well as leave a review. It just helps more people find out that this podcast is actually around. Um, in the past, most of the episodes have kind of been geared towards fitness and medical and health professionals, but I really am trying to give more information for the general public. So, I hope that everybody is joining, enjoying the information that I am putting out there. Today's episode is all about the mental and physical journey through IVF, so in vitro fertilization. Sarah Bradford shares with us her story, which inspired her to become a resource for other women navigating the same journey when she realized a serious lack of information for women wanting and needing to stay active during this mentally and physically stressful time of IVF. Sarah is a certified personal trainer specializing in pre and postnatal care, a holistic nutrition counselor, and a mom to her almost three-year-old son. She's the founder and creator of The Luna Method and has a studio in San Rafael, California, and also helps women through online coaching. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Don't forget, the show is not a substitute for medical or professional advice or treatment. So, we've got Sarah Bradford today, and I think we're just going to start by you telling us your story and how you, you know, what you've been through, how you're helping other women, and maybe start at the beginning.
1: Okay. Um, So, I started on this journey when. My husband was diagnosed when we were still dating with cancer. He was diagnosed with a very rare form of bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma and he was 29. We've been dating for about a year and we were told that his treatments would leave him unable to have children naturally. So luckily he decided to take the precautions to be able to have his own children. Later in life, regardless of if that ended up being with me or somebody else. Um, and then he went through his whole cancer treatment and was declared cancer free. Um, and then about six weeks before our wedding, he went in for routine blood work. And by the time he got to the parking lot, he got a phone call from his doctor telling him to come back up. And they had found that he had um, treatment related acute myeloid leukemia. Oh, jeez. So we ended up canceling our wedding and we got married in our hospital room. My dad uh, performed the ceremony, so We had his parents and my parents. And I just felt like it was important for us to still do that and to give him almost more of a reason to feel like he had to fight because now he had a wife and potentially a family that we were going to start. Um, so we got married in the hospital and he went through really, really intense treatment. Um, he was living in the hospital off and on for a month at a time for about three or so months. And then he was at Stanford Hospital for six months and he had a bone marrow transplant. So I won't go into all of that craziness, but all of that saved his life. Thank goodness. He's four years totally cancer free now, um, but he couldn't have kids naturally. So that mean meant that our only chance was to go through IVF. We didn't have enough sperm to do IUI or any other options. So it was straight to IVF, no questions asked. Um, The very first time that we went through IVF, we went to UCSF in San Francisco, and it was a crazy experience. Um, They didn't find any fertility issues on my end. So we thought that everything would just work out and we would get pregnant, no problem. So we went to UCSF and we started our IVF treatment. And through the process, I was I was stimulating very quickly, which meant that my eggs were growing rapidly, faster than they would have wanted. So what should have taken a couple weeks really only took about eight days. And they kept dropping my meds, dropping my meds, dropping my meds. Um, And then I went in to have my eggs retrieved and everything seemed to go well. They got a whole lot of eggs and we had several embryos. Um, I was in a lot of pain afterwards and they told me that I'd feel fine the next day. So I came back three days later for my egg to transfer or two of our embryos. And I looked, I don't know, probably about four or five months pregnant. And I was in a lot of pain and I said, you know, this just doesn't feel right. I feel like something might be going on. And They went ahead and transferred the embryos anyway. And and being very aware of my own body, I just kind of felt like, how am I supposed to get pregnant if I'm still healing from everything I just went through? I did not get pregnant. Um, I had ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which Mm. can potentially be a very serious condition. Um, And so they kind of put me right into another treatment for a frozen embryo transfer, Immediately, back to back, I was on more medications, went in, transferred two more embryos, did not get pregnant. So then we start wondering what the heck is going on. Our doctor told us to just get rid of the remaining five embryos that we had and um, to start IVF all over again. And I just felt like that wasn't the right thing to do. So we left that particular practice and we found somebody else a little closer to where we live in Marin um and I waited I think it was probably about four months or so um and I just kind of let my body feel and I started going back to yoga and just taking care of myself and then when I felt ready I did another frozen embryo transfer and at that point we only had a couple embryos left transferred both and I got pregnant um started out with twins And then at about nine weeks into my pregnancy, we lost one of the twins. I miscarried one of them, um, but I carried my son Lennox to full term and he's now gonna be three in July. He's beautiful. I wish that I could show you all a picture of him because I think he's really cute. Um, So it was well worth all of it. Um, You know, I would do it a million times if I had the funds, you know, to get him. So it was definitely worth it, but it was a crazy journey. Uh, So about a year ago, um, we went through IVF again, and we went through the same doctor that we had success with last time. Uh, Very different protocol, and according to him, it was very textbook, everything went really well, Um, they retrieved several eggs, and we had eight embryos, and so I don't know how much you know about IVF, but they grow these embryos for a certain amount of days, Um, so that they can kind of watch their development. And so on the third day, they all still looked pretty good. And then by the fifth day, we suddenly just had one. And there's really no reason We don't know really why the other ones didn't make it. Um, So we transferred that one and it ended in a chemical pregnancy. So I had an initial positive pregnancy test and then my second pregnancy test was negative. So it failed Um, and we went in and talked to our doctor and he didn't really have an explanation. So it's kind of unexplained infertility, whatever that means. And it was really kind of not the best timing anyways because I was just starting my business and getting ready to open my own studio and probably too stressed out amongst many other things. So I do really believe in divine timing and it was not the most ideal time. Um, So we're gonna try again coming up very soon. We're actually prepping right now um, and we're gonna start in the next few weeks for maybe number two. So I have a very different outlook going into it this time. I will say that the first time going through it before having a child was a lot harder because you just want so badly to be a mom, you know? And now we have a son and he's wonderful and he's healthy and he's amazing and it does make it a little bit easier. So of course it was devastating to have the, the last time not work, but then you go home and you've got this awesome kid who just, you can't help but smile and be happy around. And it definitely, at least for me in my experience, made it a little bit easier to move through it. Um, and so this next time around, I'm trying to go into it with a really open mind. So I'm just reminding myself that if it were to not work out, that there are other things that we can do. So whether it's a matter of my egg quality, being that I'm older now, um, i we're happy to look into egg donors or if it's an issue with the sperm for some reason or we don't have enough sperm to do something else we can look into a donor in that regard and try iui or something and then also adoption is is 100 something that we are open to um my brother and i are both adopted so my mom and my dad tried for many, many years to conceive a baby and it just didn't, wasn't working. Um, my mom has endometriosis and it was a pretty significant case. So she was finally told that she was never gonna be able to have children. Um, and they started the adoption process. It took them about five years, I think, until they received me. There were lots of false alarms. So they received phone calls saying that there was a baby for them just to later get a phone call saying that the birth parents had changed their minds and so it was devastating um and then finally they received me I was three weeks old and then they got back on the list for another baby and it took another four and a half years until they got brother and we're not blood related at all my brother and I um and so you know this is something that I've talked to my mom about a lot of times and it's been interesting because she's been able to be the support for me that I don't think a lot of people in this position get to have Mm -hmm. is having my own mom be somebody that couldn't conceive a child and has gone through this whole process and it's also really opened my eyes to adoption and and having that be something that I would be totally open to doing Um, because the love that I have for my parents and, and vice versa, is definitely the same that I have for my own child, yeah. you know, blood yeah. or not. And I think my brother would probably say the same thing. He has a daughter. She's nine. Um, and it's funny because my niece and I look so much alike. And we're totally not blood related, but wow. we are definitely kindred spirits. We look alike. We are very similar in a lot of ways. Um, so there's something to that. I think, you know, you, you get the family that you're meant to have regardless of how they come to you. So going into this next round, knowing that one way or another, we're going to have another child and a sibling for Lennox, my son, um, makes things a little bit easier and takes some of that stress and that pressure off. So that's how I'm going into this next round. Um, You know, because it's hard going into it and not having an answer, not knowing what happened. You know, was it my end? Was it my husband's? Was it just some weird thing that happened in the lab? I mean, who knows, right? Um, So that's kind of where where we're at and our story and how I started on this path that I am currently on now. So it's it's
0: interesting from even from a professional point of view because again, IVF is not my domain. And because I've had friends go through it before and we learn a little bit about it, we know the psychological struggle that comes with it and the mental roller coasters. But I was not really aware of the drastic physical changes that happens with your body when you're going through all of that as well. Yeah. Wow. So is that, so where along the way did you start this company that you have now? And can you tell us kind of yeah how where kind of you decided to get into this area to help women going through the same things and how you help them?
1: yeah absolutely well, I started getting interested in holistic health actually when my mom went through her battle with cancer, and that was many years ago i don't I, I guess it's pushing up on 15 years now. She's totally healthy. Fine. Um, but that's when I got interested in it and I wanted to do whatever I could, because when you're, when you're the support person for somebody going through something like that, it's, you feel very helpless. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to do something uh, to be of support, to help. And so I did a lot of reading about how I could help her from a nutritional standpoint. And then with my husband, I really dove deep into that. And I went to through schooling uh, for nutrition and we drastically changed his diet and it really, really made a difference in how he was able to get through his treatments and how strong he was able to feel going through all of them. Um, So that was where this all kind of began. And then of course, during that whole time, knowing what I was going to have to go through to conceive a child with him. Um, I started to learn everything I could about preparing my body for IVF so that I could give myself the best possible chance of a successful outcome. So I changed my diet. I started going to acupuncture, I started doing different forms of exercise. Um, I've always done yoga for many, many years. So I continued with that practice and I took up meditation and, um, took all kinds of weird herbs that my acupuncturist gave me just whatever. I was like, I'll do it all. Um, but the one thing that I felt like I had, these were the things that I felt like I had control over in a time where you're really giving up your control to someone else. You know, somebody else is holding the fate of your motherhood, so to speak, in their hands. And that gave me a chance to take some of my power back. So that was really helpful. Um, And that really guided me on this path of wanting to support other women who are in a similar situation. So I actually started doing nutrition counseling at my fertility doctor's office. Oh, wow. Um, I was pregnant. So these women, and it was, that was really interesting too, because in the beginning I didn't look pregnant, nobody could tell. And these women would come in and I would, you know, they were already at the place where they were going to be starting treatment. So there wasn't a lot of um, things that I could do to help them before that, but at least I could give them tools to go through this and into hopefully their pregnancy, being as healthy as possible and giving them that sense of power back. Um, and as I did start to show, the minute these women would walk into my office, this wall would go up and they'd see that I was pregnant and they it's like they just all of a sudden felt offended by that. And so I started having to lead with the fact that oh, I got pregnant here. (laughs) And this was my story. And I found that they were more interested in talking to me about my experience than they were anything else. And then towards the end, they were kind of like, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Just what should I do? How do I, how do I, you know, take care of myself going through this process? And it became almost more of like a counseling session than anything else, because they were just so desperate for somebody that understood what it felt like. Um, and so that started to shift more things in me, and we started talking about developing a support group for these women and so on and so forth. Um, and then my, my own pregnancy and postpartum healing journey is what led me to open the Luna Method, to start the Luna Method. Um, so I had a wonderful pregnancy, and um, but being that I'd gone through IVF and I was so worried the whole time that something could potentially happen or go wrong, I just stuck to what I knew and I just did yoga and that was it. I didn't lift a single weight, I didn't go to the gym, I just was like, okay, this is something I know, I'm comfortable, I'm gonna do this. Um, and my son was late, I had to be induced, I had a very, very long labor. Um, I was really anemic after his birth due to blood loss and whatnot and I had a really hard time healing. Um, so because of the the anemia, I was really weak and it took me a long time to even just feel strong enough to go for walks. So, um, when I finally got to that place, I just felt like whose body is this? You know, I had gained weight from the IVF process alone that I wasn't able to lose before I finally got pregnant. I gained a good amount of weight during my pregnancy. So I had like a good 60 pounds on me that I didn't normally have, and it wasn't going anywhere. Um, I went back to yoga with this thought that I was just going to go right back into my practice, and it was very humbling for me to go back and be like, "I'm starting from scratch. I don't, I can't do any of this." And I just sat there in child's pose with tears running down my face, just like feeling so lost and not even knowing what to do or where to begin. Um, I felt like something was wrong with my body um, but I did I couldn't pinpoint what it was. So I went to see my OBGYN and I asked her to check me for a prolapse because I was convinced that, that's, that my uterus was falling out of my body. It was not. Um, she checked me and for, from what she said, everything looked fine. Um, I saw a physical therapist who said that things were okay, um, but it wasn't until that point, which was months later, that I was finally diagnosed with having diastasis recti. So it wasn't checked my, by my ob for that. Um, the way she checked me for prolapse was the standard lying down. She did at least have me cough and bear down, um, which I hear is more than most OBGYNs will do, no offense to the wonderful OBs out there, but. Um, I didn't do anything standing up, no movement, nothing. Um, so when I saw somebody else who finally was like, "Okay, well, you've got a pretty significant diastasis and you know some pelvic floor weakness," um, then I started on this whole healing path, and I really committed myself to that. And I took a long time to just focus on retraining my breath and learning how to heal my core before I started to get back into physical activity. Um, And I'm really glad that I did it that way. Um, And then I started to go back to yoga and I started going back to the gym and I took my time and it took me probably a solid 18 months until I felt like, better than my my pre-baby self. Um, It was a long journey, and I was very triggered by seeing other women who would be on a hike with their family when their baby was like two weeks old, or these women that seemed to bounce back so quickly. It was really hard for me, and I had a lot of emotion around that. And it took me a long time to get to this place where I could appreciate my body for what it is and for these permanent changes that I have and to honestly say that I can embrace them. So of course I have days where I'm like, ugh, I wish I didn't have this loose skin or these you know, wobbly boobs, but (laughs) it's what it is. (laughs) And, you know, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it for anything if it meant that I didn't get to have my son. Um, So, you know, it it took time. And going through all of that, I realized that at least in my area, there was a significant lack of resources for both pregnant and postpartum women. Um, We have one local yoga studio for pregnant and postpartum women, and that's all and we have some physical therapists that are amazing one that I work very closely with um here in my practice who I love um but there was nothing in terms of fitness classes or personal trainers or anybody that could teach me how to exercise in a different way other than yoga so I had to learn it myself um and I chose to go back and take several different certifications and learn everything that I possibly could um, so that I could be that support person and bring this to my community. So that's that's how I got here, was really through my own, my own journey and my own path. Um, and so now what I do here is I support women through all of those phases, whether they're trying to conceive or struggling with fertility issues or they're pregnant or post-birth or They have much older children and are still experiencing issues from, you know, having children um, to help them heal their bodies and take back that power and continue to or get back to doing the exercises and the activities that they loved before and being able to do them safely. Um, So that's that's how I got here. Wow
0: so all right so you said that you help women with kind of in the pre- preconception phase um, whether they're going through IVF or not is that correct yes so yes. what kind of things do you focus on then in the kind of preconception phase if someone's never had a baby and they want like what do they come to see you for is it for nutrition advice or are you looking at exercise what kind of things do you tend to focus on
1: So I do both. Um, I am no longer working within my fertility doctor's office, but I still do work with them. So in that regard, I still see women and work with them from a nutritional and a movement standpoint to support them either before they're going into treatment or through their treatment, and hopefully ideally through their pregnancies as well. And then women who are not necessarily struggling to conceive but are wanting to prep their bodies, I work with them in the same way. Um, we do, I do nutrition counseling for fertility and pregnancy and and beyond and also exercise so they can see me one-on-one or they can come in and take classes so the great thing about the classes that I offer here is that they are very customizable so whether you're trying to conceive you're pregnant you're postpartum we obviously have classes that are specifically for pregnant women and specifically for postpartum and then I do have some classes that are blended and women who are trying to conceive can come to these classes and learn how to retrain their breath and connect to that diaphragmatic breathing. They can learn how to connect to their pelvic floor um, and their deep core muscles. So they're preparing their bodies for that pregnancy journey. It's also helpful for me to start to understand if maybe they do have um, something going on, maybe that their pelvic floor is hypertonic and they need some of that release so that I can refer them to a physical therapist and they can start that work before they get pregnant as well. Um, and when it comes to exercise, there's definitely kind of a fine line with fertility. So there's a lot of studies that show that exercise is really great for fertility, especially from an ovarian standpoint. but. There's also a lot of evidence that shows that really vigorous exercise can have a negative effect on fertility. So there's got to be a sweet spot, right? And helping women to find that sweet spot. And I will say that the last time I went through IVF was at a point in my life where I was exercising very strenuously several days a week. I was weight training three days a week for at least 90 minutes. I was practicing hot yoga the other another three days a week and I had one day of rest. So did that play a role in why my IVF didn't work? Possibly. Um, so I'm approaching things very differently this time. It was just kind of where I was at and it felt good in my body at the time and that's what I was doing. And now I'm in a different place where I'm taking a more moderate approach and that's what feels good in my body right now. So helping women to find that balance of, you know, exercising so that it's beneficial, but not to a point where it could be disrupting their hormonal balance or affecting their ovulation. Um, so that's something that I do a lot of guidance on as well. Um, how, do, how do people work out whether they're exercising too hard? Cause we know, again,
0: if you think of like the F45 or CrossFit world where intensity is kind of a really big part of it, if somebody loves to do that and they're doing that, but they're also trying to get pregnant um, at what point do you kind of go, okay, I think we need to pull back on things? Or, or how do they I work think it that
1: depends out? On if they've been trying to conceive for a while. Generally, it's like if it's been about a year and nothing has happened, that's when those flags start to come up that maybe something might be going on. So if they've been trying actively for a year with no success, Um, or they've maybe had several miscarriages or a few miscarriages, then I want them to maybe go and have some blood work done so we can look at their hormone levels. We start talking about their cycle and are you having regular cycles? Is there some irregularity? Are you missing periods? signs that their hormones could be out of whack, that their body is too stressed. And then I have them start to pull back, um, and just it's not that they can't continue to do the exercises that they love, but do we need to be doing it for ninety minutes a day, several days a week? Can we maybe scale back to thirty minutes, of you know, or an hour, and just maybe drop a day or two? So it's it's all in moderation. But I never want to tell anybody you can't do that anymore, you know. Even in pregnancy, telling somebody that they can't do something they love is just not realistic and it's not really necessary unless there's a real medical reason why they shouldn't be doing it i try to empower women to continue to do the things that they love but how can we do it from a place that is still benefiting you and you're doing it safely and we can kind of figure out that that sweet spot um so that's the approach that i take um and when they come here to class the The classes can be modified to really meet a woman where she is. So if a woman is coming in here who doesn't exercise and she wants to start exercising to support herself through pregnancy and just be the healthiest version of herself, she's able to move through that class in such a way that supports her for where she's at, where I could have a woman who's super active and super athletic who can be taking the same class, but with different progressions where it's challenge it's still challenging for her and it can be the same class but look very different for two different people um so that's something that i do here in in my studio is is make sure that i have different progressions that work for everybody and their goals and what they need um so i have found that that is really helpful and with the one-on-one training then it's different because i can customize specifically for what they need and their energy levels and their um, fitness level so
0: I like what you said yeah. about which um it being your journey but I'm assuming this is similar for any woman who's gone through IVF or at least the women who have come into my clinic that during pregnancy once they are pregnant there's still that element of fear of oh my god what if something happens what if this doesn't go through so there's still that extra level of stress that yeah. So with kind of when once women, you know, go through IVF and then they're pregnant, do you, so from a physical standpoint, are you changing things, um, exercise in order to help address or in knowing that there's probably an extra level of stress that you kind of need to consider at the same
1: time or? Definitely, definitely. And sometimes I, I have had women reach out to me who have gone through reproductive, Assistance, and they want to come and they want to exercise but they're nervous because they're only six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks and i just tell them come when you feel comfortable coming if it's going to cause you stress the whole time then maybe wait a few weeks until you feel like you're farther along and you feel more comfortable because i don't want them doing it because they feel like they have to or they're coming and that's creating more stress so when they feel ready come and then I take a very educational approach so the whole time that they're here and they're taking class I'm talking their ears off and I'm talking to them about what's happening in their bodies and why we're doing these movements and how that's affecting them and so that they feel like they understand what's going on and they can understand okay this is safe and this is why and these are the benefits to myself and to my baby and that seems to ease a lot of that stress. I feel like the more they know the more empowered they feel and the safer they feel. So that's, that's where I come from. It's just educate, educate, educate as much as possible.
0: Are there any different exercises that you would do for women who are pregnant, who've gone through IVF or who haven't? Like, are there certain things that you avoid in women who've gone through IVF?
1: No, because once they're pregnant, it's, it's really as if they got pregnant on their own. Once, once you do get pregnant, there's really no difference. So in the first eight to 10 weeks, you, you, A lot of times women who have gone through IVF will be on some kind of hormones. So usually it's estrogen and progesterone. Um, And that doesn't necessarily change anything but sometimes they feel safer waiting until they're off of those meds and they've had that ultrasound that kind of clears them um and so if that's a a source of stress then I just tell them let's just wait until you get to that point and then come in 10 weeks or 12 weeks and we can you're still super early in your pregnancy this is still going to benefit you Um, but there's not anything that I would do differently because at that point their pregnancy is is just like anybody else's they're not at any higher risk because they went through IVF.
0: Yeah. Do you do you talk to them about their fears when they are worried about because they went through IVF and now they're pregnant? Like, do you just find that you have discussions with them in order to, like you said, educate them that everything is still safe and they're okay? Uh,
1: definitely. And, you know, it's interesting because I've had women uh, who come in here who have gone through IVF or other Treatment similar um, to that, who haven't said anything to me about the fact that that's how they got pregnant. So I have no idea until they hear me say something about it. And then they're like, Oh, well, Hey, I went through that too, because I have found that women don't really feel comfortable sharing that they have been through this. So they're coming in and they're just like, Oh, I'm just pregnant. You know, it's not something that they're outwardly spoken about. Um, So that's been interesting is that I could have been working with them for three months before I even find this out. So um, most of the time, no, there's not really any discussion because I don't always know, but the women that do come in who have told me right off the bat, then it's, I let them lead the way. So if they bring it up and they are having fears or they're having worries, then I'm always here to talk to them and to share experiences and just do whatever I can to make them feel more comfortable and supported. Um, but what I generally find is that most women don't really want to talk about it oh,
0: well. for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, we discussed through email, but I do have a question that we hadn't really said we were going to talk about at this point. But you were talking about training for labor. So since we're kind Mm -hmm. of talking at this point about women who are pregnant, whether they've had IVF or not, is that something that you're incorporating into the classes that you're doing? Yes.
1: Yes. So in one specific class that's just for my prenatal moms, we do labor training. So I have them, we do strength training. We always start every class the same way with breath work and core. And then we do some strength training exercises and they're moving with their breath and it's it's a lot slower moving. And then they do these labor training parts of the class where they do a specific exercise for a certain amount of time, so it's sort of like a contraction, and they're usually smaller movements that really burn um, or something that they're holding for a while, and I just coach them through that. So we're my instructors and I are talking to them about connecting to their breath and letting go, and I give them different mantras, or sometimes I just give them different visualizations to try to really take them out of where they are so that they can just let their mind go and just be in this moment and that helps them to understand what it feels like to be in this moment of physical stress, so to speak, and being able to breathe through it and keep their nervous system calm and, you know, surrender, so to speak. Um, and and I've noticed that in the beginning it's really, really difficult and then they, they get better at it and they get better at it and they get better at it. So it's not that the exercises necessarily get easier, they just get better at staying connected to their breath and keeping themselves calm and finding that meditative space where they can just let go and just be like, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I'm doing right now. Um, And that can translate into the birthing room as well. So giving them sort of tips and strategies
0: to take with them into when they end up having to go through labor
1: right exactly and even and i say this in class too even if they know they want to have an epidural and they're like as soon as i can get that i'm getting it like great that's great but you're still going to probably have to labor for some of the time because you don't just have one contraction and walk into the hospital and boom you get an epidural there's usually a period of time where they won't even admit you here in america at least until you're i think it's four or five centimeters dilated so let's prepare you at least for that part and then you Sometimes they're surprised and they're like, never mind, I've got this, I'm I'm just gonna do it. I don't need that epidural. Um, and sometimes they wanna have it and that's fine. It's totally their choice, but just giving them some tools to be able to handle it better, regardless of what kind of birth they're planning to have or want to have um, is really helpful.
0: So it sounds like a lot of stress management <laughs> from, again, before getting pregnant, through pregnancy, I'm assuming once they've had a baby, they will also need to um, work on stress manage- management as well. So when So once, no. they, once women have had a baby, then they come mm-hmm. back to you and they continue doing exercises and you just come at it from a postpartum point of view and like you said, yeah. whether or not they're going through IVF, but if they are and they need to a second time around, you kind of then that cycle almost starts again?
1: Exactly. Yes. And that's the great thing is they can come back postpartum and they can work with us and they can stay with us. And then they're better prepared when they do want to go, whether it's through IVF or have another baby or whatever it is, they can just, it's a smoother transition. They feel like they've done all of this work to prepare them to heal and also prepare for another, another pregnancy. Um, and like you were saying about the stress management, that's a huge part of what we do at the end of every single class we walk everybody through a guided meditation so they get 10 minutes of guided meditation and relaxation they get a little massage so they've worked out they've worked hard and now they get to just relax and leave here feeling nice and calm and that's helpful regardless of how you got pregnant you know just being a new mom or being a pregnant mom or a working mom, whatever your journey is, having that, just that moment of self care and letting go and relaxing and just letting the rest of the world melt away, I think is really necessary. Um, And when it comes to IVF, and I believe other reproductive things like IUI, um, anything where you're gonna be on those meds, you're told not to exercise at all, the whole time. So once you start on those meds, so, so who's telling you them not to the doctors are telling them not to doctors? Okay. And the reason for that is because they're on medications that are creating all of their eggs to grow at the same time. So then their ovaries are getting bigger and bigger. And then that puts them at risk of torsion of the ovaries which can potentially be life threatening and would require surgery to fix. So their doctors don't want them to exercise because they don't want them to risk that happening. So, And you can feel it, you know, there's like this weird heaviness and it just feels weird, Um, so you don't really want to exercise. But for a lot of people, movement and exercise is their form of meditation and of stress relief. So if you are a very active person and then you're told that you can't exercise for however long, that can that alone can kind of create stress. Um, so for me, that was really difficult because um, I asked, I'm like, well, can I still do yoga? And he's like, no, because I don't want you twisting and doing all these things. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I had to find other ways to relieve my stress. How long, when like I, for a couple months? It's generally about a month. Okay. So the so whole you don't time just you're on have to lie
0: horizontal for a month?
1: No, no, you don't. But you just, they don't want you exercising and, do, and doing these things that could potentially mess with your ovaries since they're so big and heavy um, and delicate. So what I did and what I tell my clients to do is to find something else. So I find that meditation is hugely helpful, whether you exercise or you don't, all of these things can apply. So meditation, um, guided meditation was really helpful for me because I could not, no matter how hard I tried to meditate, I could not turn off all of the thoughts when I was going through IVF. So if I would listen to a meditation and put on my headphones, then I could zone out. so that was hugely helpful for me. And I definitely recommend that for women who are going through IVF. Um, going for walks. So not like a strenuous hike, but a nice walk with your partner or a friend or your mom or your dog, whatever. Going for a walk, being outside, being in the fresh air, taking in your surroundings can also really help it, you know, to keep you moving, to relieve some stress. Going on walks and just talking with somebody about anything else. I don't care if you're talking about your favorite ice cream flavor or what you have to do tomorrow, but anything that's not related to the treatments that you're going through. Um, Going to the beach, there are a few things more therapeutic than the ocean, Hmm. I think. So the beach is really helpful. Um, Finding ways to pamper yourself, getting your nails done, getting your hair done, going to a movie, going to dinner, getting um, some
0: eyelashes,
1: getting some (laughs) eyelashes. taking a warm bath not a super hot bath but a nice warm bath um having a glass of wine yes having a glass of wine during IVF is fine um the very even from the nutritional side of things yes it's fine I mean I don't get wasted but (laughs) having a wine can relax you yeah so I was very strict the first time I went through it I did not have any wine I did not drink any caffeine I did not drink eat any chocolate I was like So, and I think that that created this level of stress. So the second, or when I decided to do the embryo transfer, where I got pregnant with my son, I let myself have a glass of wine here and there, and I ate dark chocolate every single day and voila, I got pregnant. I just, it was, it was less stressful. So I feel like if you want to have that glass of wine here and there, it's fine. It's if it helps you relax. There's nothing, it's not going to make a difference. And I've even talked to my reproductive endocrinologist about this and he's on board. So, um, and like I said before, just taking back some of that control, doing something that makes you feel like you're contributing to this process, whether that's watching what you eat and getting really good, super solid nutrients in your body walking, meditating, whatever, just whatever you're doing, acupuncture that makes you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm helping in this process. Um, and then finding a support network. So um, IVF or infertility in general can be a very isolating thing and people can feel really alone in that process, especially when those around you are getting pregnant so easily or seemingly so easily and You know, the people that love you have the best of intentions and they wanna be there to support you, but they don't know how. Um, And that can be hard too. And so I think that women often just feel alone in the process and finding other people, whether that's a local meetup or an online support group or something of that sort where you can talk with other people that have been through or are going through something similar is really, really helpful. And like I said, when I was working at my fertility doctor's office, that was what these women wanted the most was someone to talk to that got it, you know, and that has just shown me how incredibly important that support network is. So did you end up creating a support network? Yes. So I have one that I run here by monthly and it's free. Um, And it's interesting. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes we don't have anybody. It just depends, I guess, on that ebb and flow. Um, And soon I'm going to be starting a series with another practitioner where we're going to have every week, something different. So we'll do meditation and yoga Nidra, and we'll have, you know, nutrition aspect side of things, um, different things that they can focus on. So we'll be offering that coming up this summer. And then I just very recently decided to create a Facebook group for people that are struggling with this. So it doesn't matter if you've been through it before and you've had success, or if you're currently going through it or you know you're going to, this is a group that's open to everybody. Um, And I just started it just very recently. So it's teeny tiny, but I'm hoping that it will grow and that it'll create this place of support for women online to meet other people that are going through it and just have a place to ask questions and seek answers and find hope and make connections um what, what's so- it called?
0: I thought, I thought it was called teeny tiny when you said teeny tiny. I'm like, oh, I was about to write that down. <laughs> Cuz I'll put um, a link on the show call- notes.
1: Yeah, so and I can send you the link to it. Okay. It's just called okay. um uh, gosh, now I can't remember. I think it's just called infertility support circle, something very very simple like that. Okay. Um and it's on Facebook. I can send you the link so you yep. can provide that for everybody. Yep. But it will be a super safe, non-judgmental space for all family dynamics, all types of people to um, to come. Oh, so navigating infertility support circle. That's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's on Facebook. Um, So anybody is welcome to join that. And I hope that they do. Um, And then I see clients in person for nutrition as well as personal training and movement. And then I also see clients online for those things as well. So just spreading my support and doing my part to help women feel like they're not so alone in such a hard time.
0: Is all of that information on your website as well if they want to contact you or look for any of those
1: groups? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's all on the website and it's all linked to our Facebook page as well. Yeah. So they can find all of the resources on there.
0: All right. Yeah. Um, very quickly going back to nutrition, is there anything kind of specifically preconception stage that people should be focusing on or focusing off of?
1: So... I generally tell people to really scale back on caffeine. If they can totally go off of it, great. If they can't and it gives them side effects, then just starting to cut it back. Um, And same thing with alcohol. Like I said, having a little bit of wine is fine, but I don't want you drinking three glasses a night type of thing. Mm, Sugar also, um, sugar is one of the first things to go, I think, with anything, right? so i have them avoid that and highly processed foods so i really want them to get to a place where they're drinking a lot of water and hydrating themselves well um and that they're just getting in a lot of whole foods leafy greens healthy proteins healthy whole grains i generally try to have them stay away from gluten as well since that can be inflammatory for a lot of people um and if they do eat dairy then switching from low fat to full fat also can make a difference um obviously it would be
0: individual as well like you will discuss specific details with people but from a general standpoint there's something that people can think of yeah
1: yeah Uh, so those are kind of the, the first things to go and just really focusing on a whole foods diet um but it is very individualized um there's a lot of Biodynamic stuff with when it comes to um, nutrition and people, bio individuality. So, everybody's needs are different. Some people don't do well eating meat, some people need it. So, it really depends on the person and their food choices or their diet. And I just take a full history. Um, and I generally have them do a food journal as well, because that helps them to be more aware of what they're eating on a daily basis. Um, and then we just come up with, with a plan. And again, I go back to that education. This is why you wouldn't want to eat these things. This is the effect that it can be having. And this is why you do want to eat these things. And when they know that it makes a big difference. So if I just say you shouldn't drink soda, they're going to be like, well, okay, whatever. I know I shouldn't, but I'm still going to do it. But if you can start to show them the effects of how that could be factoring into their fertility, they're a lot more likely to just stop. Yeah. So that makes sense. Difference too is that educational piece.
0: Yeah, we could probably do a whole podcast on nutrition and (laughs) conception, but we will have to save that for another time. Is there so is there anything else that
1: you wanted to discuss or summarize? Um, I think the last thing that I want to say is that infertility and having trouble conceiving is something that is a lot more common than I think most people realize. And I'm sure that we all, everyone listening probably knows at least one person who has dealt with this. Um, so just knowing that you are not alone in this struggle and that there is support out there for you. And there are so many wonderful resources available that that can help you and support you through this and just give you that sense of love and support and guidance and whatever it is. So don't feel like you have to hide it from the world or you have to suffer through this alone. Um, you know, reach out, find that support. And I think that that makes a really big difference.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you so much.
1: Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you.